Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Jeremy Steinruck, co-owner and vice president of Axis Construction in Wichita Falls, Texas. We are under fire with a constant barrage of information pouring into our world from every angle. As leaders in our business, it is imperative that our messages are clearly received by others. But it is equally as important, if not more so, that we are able to receive messages clearly. With the year 2020 fast approaching, it has inspired Jeremy to focus on clarity in communication, and he's going to share what that entails in just a minute. Come on. The ball. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Heidi Ho. How you doing, Mark? I'm great. And I'm, yourself? I'm good, good. And let's see, how did you receive that? Did it sound real? Did it sound sincere? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that today's topic is awesome. It's very interesting. You know, I don't think there's anywhere near enough attention paid to the way we communicate both give and receive in our world. I think so many people take it for granted. Especially the receiving part. You're always, so many people are so concerned about getting their message or their opinion or their thoughts or whatever out versus focusing on hearing what's coming at them yeah. and understanding it. Yeah, so it's a great topic, and it can. And the more that we can, as business leaders, communicate our visions and our culture to our team, the more successful we're going to be all the way around. So shall we dive in? We shall. All right, great. Today we get to talk to Jeremy Steinrock. As Mark said, he's co-owner and vice president of Axis Construction in Wichita Falls, Texas. This is a company that he and his partner Jeff Miller started 13 years ago. Jeremy holds a master's degree in human resource management. However, he's most thankful for the influence of incredible mentors and friends who have shared their wisdom freely with him. Jeremy's been a roundtable member for some time. And I can see that he'll be a facilitator in our future. So we're really excited to have him here. Um, welcome, Jeremy. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. A little nervous, but really glad to be here. <laughs> Nothing to be nervous about, right? I mean, you know, you've told me before that you bring an empathy and a, a sort of an emotional intelligence to your workplace that's, you know, could possibly be a little bit unusual for a lot of business owners. Yeah, Um I mean, I definitely think I I, uh, I wear my feelings a little a little more on my sleeve, and I'm a little more aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm I've been told that I'm high EQ. I've never been told that I'm high IQ for some reason. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy learning about uh, communication, leadership, and all the kind of softer side of of what we do for a living. And again, I think that that is one of the toughest parts of of being a business leader, to mm-hmm. me. I find it really challenging always. Yeah, I agree. Now, why did you decide to focus on clarity in communication today? Well, um, I think uh, just quite frankly, to be honest, um, I've learned a lot about it, most, mostly because I, have a, I had a ton to learn about it. I remember when I was, uh, I've been married for almost 20 years to my wife, Carissa, and she and I uh, communicate really differently. Um, she is, um, uh, very thoughtful and empathetic and she decides what is the right way to say something and what is the right thing to say. And then she acts. 
and I am ready, fire, aim. I will uh, think out loud, and a lot of times I end up hurting people or uh, miscommunicating or uh, or over-talking and, and uh, you know, just misleading people on accident. It's not my intent, of course. Right. You know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, and, and sometimes that can be destructive and harmful. And so I've had to learn, and I'm still uh, very much a work in progress, as we all are, uh, but I've had to learn how to become a better communicator. So was it mainly the interaction with your spouse that made you think more about this? Or was it your schooling or was it being a business owner? That's a good question. Uh, I married the daughter of a, of a pastor of a, of a larger church here in town. Um, and pastors are really good communicators. And I think I just took to my father-in-law, um, Tom Rogers, really, really quickly and admired the way he com- communicated with empathy you know, and he was a he was a big fella, big uh, you know professional football player at one time, and so to hear somebody uh, you know such a large uh, personality communicate uh, with such empathy and care uh, that was really attractive and something that I could I felt like I could uh, I could uh, do myself with some effort. That is awesome. So what you've talked about, or you, you know, we know that a lot of people have head trash when it comes to communication. What oh, is, sure. how do you define that and what do you do about it? So head trash, my, one of my first, uh, RA around tables meetings, um, I was diagnosed with it by somebody who cared enough to tell me the truth. <laughs> and, uh, they said, you know, you've got to get out of your own head. You, you've got things in there that you believe that are true, that it can't be proven. Maybe they can't be proven. So, um, you got to think differently about that. So here's, here's what I would consider head trash to be. I would consider it to be a limiting belief. That's kind of the start. Um, The second is that it, that it hasn't been or may not be able to be proven to be true. Okay. Uh, The third thing is that it's usually an assumption of what somebody else believes. And the fourth thing is the most important. It influences my decisions. And so I can't let something that could be untrue that I'm believing or even projecting on someone else affect my decision-making. So that's what I would consider head trash to be. So, I mean, it's kind of tough to know if something's head trash in, in your own head, right? I mean, you, if you believe it, you believe it. How well, I don't do, you- know. do you have, uh, Victoria, you and Mark both talked to Roundtables members. Uh, what are the things that they say that you think might be head trash? <laughs> well, things like we can't charge that amount of money in our market. That's a big one. You know, yeah, so they, I hear that. Mm-hmm, um, that they can't let somebody go who's not doing a good job because it would hurt them. Um, yeah. It would be unfair to them. Things like that. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think head trash gets uh, those are those are good examples. But I also think head trash gets a little personal. I think the one that affects me sometimes, and this may surprise uh, some people that know me, uh, but the voice in your head that says that I'm not worth it, that you're not worth it. That's head trash. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's something that limits, that's a self-limiting belief, and it's it's dangerous for me to make decisions based on that. Yes. I think that's, uh, that's a bad deal. So, um, how do you, so how do you overcome it? That's a great question. You know, one is you just kind of have to face your fears, um, and you have to ask yourself, is this true? You know, Victoria, you were saying, well, it is true to me, but really, is it true? Can I prove that you can't do that in my town? Can I, can I prove that people won't pay that? that mm-hmm. people won't pay for this service or that they don't see it valuable. Can I see, can I make that uh, assumption? And is that, is that good data? But the truth is 
if we listen to our head trash, we just operate on bad data. Yeah. And that's not healthy. For sure. So we, we discussed a little bit about how you communicate differently with yourself. How do you apply that to how you communicate with others? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> I kind of have an illustration with when, when, we're, when we're focusing on others. It should always feel like a, an away game. You know, if you were a, uh, an athlete and played sports, then it gets easier over time. But if you think about it, like you have to travel to them. Uh, you're the one that's in a new environment. And they're the ones that get to stay in their comfort zone. I think that's important for us to say that it's us coming to them, uh, especially if we're leaders communicating with, with others. I have uh, regular conversations with Chip Doyle uh, and employ Sandler to help me communicate clearly with, with clients and, quite frankly, with everybody. And, and I use those, those are, you know, of course he's a sales trainer, but I use these strategies just for general communication. Mm -hmm. And so there's some basic uh, rules of engagement that I try to employ. Um, probably the biggest eye opener from talking with Chip was that uh, he's a, he's real big on pre-call planning. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, at first I was like, well, I'm just going to learn all this stuff and I'll do kind of do it my way. And, and uh, you know, I'd always come back to that. I hadn't, I hadn't taken time to have the conversation before I had the conversation. You know, <laughs> okay. To sit down in my vehicle before I talk to somebody, whether it was a client or, you know, somebody else, uh, to sit down and do that and and really think through what do I want to avoid? What do I want to talk about? What is it I hope to get out of? What could go wrong with this conversation? What are the ways that they would receive me that might be inaccurate? How do I eliminate some things? that may be unhealthy in this conversation. How can I approach this in a way to where I'm, I'm receptive and, and, and really just come at it, you know, in a strategic way, but also from a caring way. And, and so the first thing he told us, or the first thing that, that, uh, that I try to do is, is to pre-call plan just to spend a little time before and write it down. Uh, that's really important that I write down um, what I think needs to happen in this conversation and how the words that I want to make sure I use, you know. Really? So you re you literally almost write yourself a script? Uh, yeah, script's probably a, a bad word. What I want to do is write down questions that would lead the conversation in a healthy way, questions that would show that, that, I'm, that I do empathize with them, uh, questions that would make sure that I'm, that I'm listening, that I, you know, hey, tell me how, tell me how you hear this. Let's, let's, uh, um, let's think. So somebody might call me with a, uh, with a kitchen remodel and, and I may come back at them with all of, I mean, be thinking about all the reasons uh, that I think they need to do it. But what I really need to do is discover uh, by asking questions, why are you doing this? Cause it may not be what I think just because I, I heard them on the phone for five minutes, you know, the first time we spoke. So uh, really just that pre-call planning. Um, but there's some other rules that, that uh, not rules necessarily, but some guidelines that have been really helpful for me. And here's a, a, a couple of others. Uh, one is that you really can't convince anybody of anything. You know, if I come at you and try to convince you of something, you're already going to put your guard up. And I can't convince you of anything. And so nobody wants to hear what I think and what I think they should do. Um, and that's that seems pretty simple, but uh, we do have to remind ourselves of stuff like that every once in a while. All I can do is ask questions that it can expose a need or a desire of theirs and see if that lines up with what we can, what, how I can help them. You know, I may or may not be able to help them. And what I want to do first is help. And I may not be the right person to help them with this particular project or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I'm going to ask questions to expose their need or their desire. And then um, Sandler also has something else called an upfront contract, which I use in a lot of other conversations. But really, this is just a guideline to help us kind of map a conversations to to uh, it's a template for a meeting or conversation just to cover some things like, uh, you know, how long do we have? Why are we here? What do we need to discuss? What's next? Is there a decision or commitment we want to make as a result of this meeting? And then uh, we talk about that at the beginning of the meeting. So we're getting something done. You know, we want to accomplish something if we're going to meet with some people or even have a conversation. And this can be as formal or informal. It's really helpful if this is very informal. Just, hey, I want to respect your time. You know, what's next? We had this conversation before we started today, didn't we, Victoria? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Sure. Jeremy, these well, these tips and and steps you go through as far like the, with the pre call planning and all that, it, it makes perfect sense with with the sales call or something. But do you also do these with your staff and maybe guys in the field and that type of thing? That's uh, that's funny. I was talking to uh, to Chip about about when he turns it off. You know, like hey, you seem to always you know we have to do a we have to do pre-call planning for every phone call. Even when I'm just talking to you, I've known you for two years, you know, why do I need to pre-call plan and why do I need to, why do we need to have a, uh, an upfront contract and a template for, for how we're going to do it today? And I said, you know, um, when do you turn it off? And he just kind of laughed at me like it was a stupid question. <laughs> um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Jeremy, that's so stupid. <laughs> so maybe we're not supposed to turn it off. Maybe we're, uh, maybe we should all be um, thinking before we yeah. talk to other people, and uh, especially when it's difficult. It you know, seems, I, yeah, it seems to me like it, it makes it's almost it could be automatic with a sales call because that's just kind of part of the process. But you're going to have a conversation with an employee or something. I could see over, you know, skipping that step. Yeah, and now that you mention it, I can think of a million ways in which I have not done this over the last uh, few weeks, anyway, and uh, and have either communicated inefficiently or ineffectively, and uh, and maybe even um, run over some people by not not doing a little bit of a pre-call planning with my staff and and our team, and uh, so yeah, thank you for the reminder, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, the conversations do get messy, though, and they are challenging sometimes. So let's, if you think about, you know, like one of the things I find most challenging is um, learning to be a leader and manage staff, you know, interacting with my coworkers and so on. I find it that I, I'll do the same thing that you mentioned at the beginning, oftentimes, not communicate clearly and cause disruption accidentally. So if you're going into a situation where you know the communication is going to be difficult or messy, how do you approach that? Uh, man, I, I mean, just even, even thinking about difficult conversations kind of just gets your emotions going. Even if it's just, uh, you know, for example, uh, it kind of can still get your heart rate going and you kind of feel like, man, I'm, I'm really uneasy. A friend of mine who, is, uh, who I love learning from, uh, Tammy Hughes, sent me a, an article one time and it just stuck with me. And I, I typed up the four principles that, uh, that, that it shared and I take them to my computer desk until I had memor- to my computer screen until I had memorized them. And uh, I had to look it up to see who was responsible for these, these four steps, but it's Joseph Grinney um, in an HBR article earlier this year, Harvard business review, which is great. If you don't get it, I suggest that it's a really good investment, but it difficult conversations, four things to do before a tough conversation was the article. 
And it's interesting that uh, we had just talked about pre-call planning and it says four things to do before a tough call, before a tough conversation. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. We want a pre-call plan, you know, which is kind of just a way to say, hey, think about what you're going to say before you say it. Um, And that's kind of a given that we should do that. Uh, But then the he, he wrote that, uh, that there's four things. The first one is get your motives right. Uh-huh. And I think that you go, okay, why do I want to do this? Maybe, you know, back to the head trash thing, maybe I want to do this because I want to win the argument. Maybe I want to do this because I um, feel insecure and I want to make myself feel good. Uh, there's, some, there's some things that can be in here. And then, okay, so what is the right motive in this situation? Uh, what do I need to be about as a leader in my business and Jeff's in my business? I need to be about what's best for the business. And sometimes, and a lot of times I communicate in a style that reflects that I'm thinking about what's best for me. And so uh, the first step is to get your motives, right? The second thing is to get your emotions, right? And go, okay, what are my emotions? Am I feeling, like I said, insecure? Is, is, is that affecting the way I'm hearing everything? So you got to get your emotions, right? Uh, the third thing seems really simple, but it's the place where most of us live and we forget the other things. Get the facts. You know, again, we talked about head trash. Is this true? I've, I have it as a part of my argument, maybe a, a, a data point, but is it true? Is it a fact? Is it something I can rely on? Or is it an opinion or an interpretation that maybe needs to be kind of loosened up on a little bit? And you go, okay, so what are the facts? That's the third thing. And the fourth thing I think is really key. It's get curious. Just be curious. Just what is this other person thinking? Why are we having this argument? What could possibly be, you know, we both are on the same team. We obviously care about each other. We are not trying to hurt the other person. That's not the intent. So what what else could be going on? And so that get curious step is is really important uh, when things get emotional and, and difficult. So, man, I have I have kind of taken that as a, as how I want to, uh, as something I want to take with me everywhere. I use that all of the time. Mm-hmm. So, now, I believe that the author of that article is also one of the authors of the Crucial Conversations and Crucial Accountability books from Vital Smarts, right? Um, I'd be lying if I told you, but the books are behind me. <laughs> They're on my desk, too. So a, an interesting thing, one of the speakers we had at the past summit, I don't know if you sat in on uh, Natalie Putnam's presentation. She's a Crucial Conversations trainer, certified trainer, and she talked about a tool that I've started to try to use that they talk about, which is that contrasting. I don't want you to think I'm trying to do this, but what I am trying to do is, you know, so you you contrast what you don't want with what you do want to try to make it super clear. Do you ever use that technique? Um, I haven't. Uh, I need to. I will, uh, I will put that on my list of <laughs> things to study. Continual improvement, right? Yeah. yeah that's a core go. value here. Um, so, you know, I know you'd be a pretty thoughtful, sort of a deep thinker kind of a guy. So it seems like a lot of the things you're talking about are rooted in your personal beliefs and core values. Is that? For sure. For sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, when I, when we talk about kind of having to be reflective and we talk about uh, communicating with others and it being kind of like an away game leadership and good communication is exhausting (laughs) doesn't it kind of beat you down to feel like i always have to consider everybody else first you know uh it's it is a ton of work 
there's two things that uh, that get in my way when when I'm not communicating well. The first is distraction, and the second one is selfishness. Those two things just are are insane. So for me, I'm a squirrel. I'll chase anything shiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I go fast, but I get distracted, and then I change directions. You know, and uh, and so um, sometimes I'm like that when in communication. The other thing that I am is uh, is selfish or lazy, and that just selfishness is really just putting myself first. And and those two things are natural, and it's kind of our default setting. But it's just focusing on my own personal needs and what I want more than anything. So there's only there's only one thing that I, I have found that can combat these two main villains in in uh, in wrecking communication, and that's to be to have your your values rooted in something really deep. I think that uh, you know I have to have something that I go back to all the time uh, for that to keep that squirrel on point. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also need something to remind me that it's not about me. And that's, you know, like I said, we're naturally built to be self-protective and, and, uh, and to, to want what we want. That's, that's life. So my values that, that keep me connected are, are deeply rooted in my faith. You know, there's so many valuable personal and business principles that are in scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we're told to speak the truth in love. We're told Mm-hmm. That as much as it depends on us, we're to live with others in an, uh, at peace with others, with all men. Um, you know, there's way too many of these principles and guidelines uh, to mention from Scripture. Uh, but and so for me, everything boils down to this. I'm I am I'm a child of God and I need to love him first. And then if I'm doing that well, then I'll express that love in how I do. It. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that. So, Jeremy. Yes. You, you, you were saying how exhausting communication can be. There's yes. there's nothing more exhausting than the lightning round. Are you ready for it? <laughs> no, but let's go anyway. <laughs> okay. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap! All right, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's right. your favorite business book and why? Um, I'd have to go back to kind of the uh, original that that uh, got me started kind of down this path of entrepreneurship uh, and was has been my guide ever since. Um, and that's uh, the Jim Collins book, Good to Great. It was kind of the, the first one. And I wrote, uh, we wrote all of our, our core I- ideals or our, our core vision statement was based on everything that he said. So um, really love that book. I would recommend it to everybody. If you weren't the owner of a remodeling company, what do you think you'd be doing? Probably coaching high school girls soccer. <laughs> what are you not very good at? Uh, staying focused. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Whichever's easiest. <laughs> Would you rather be a clown who distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides the bull? Uh, I hate clowns, and I live in Texas, so I have to choose a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How old is the oldest pair of shoes you own? Oh, man. 15, no, 25 years old, maybe. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did they walk themselves? <laughs> no, but they you can't wear them. They crack. <laughs> what was your favorite sitcom growing up? Oh, man. Um, you know, I was in college during the, the uh, Seinfeld era, and mm-hmm. so Seinfeld's kind of uh, part of our language. Yeah, um, there you go. That's a good one. Newman. Yeah, really. 
Well, so Jeremy, this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this with us. You know, it's something that, again, I study this stuff and read about it and try things. And it's a challenge to become a really strong, clear communicator. So the tips you shared are awesome. Yeah, we all got uh, plenty of work to do. <laughs> like Chip says, we're never done. So, but before we let you go, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience and tell us why they resonate with you. Um, I, th- I think I, I kind of already stated it. Uh, my five words of wisdom are know yourself, love others well. Wonderful. That's very yeah. good. Yep. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This has been wonderful, and we'd love to have you back again. Oh, I'd love to. We'll have to think of something else to talk about. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm sure we have plenty. All right, well, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next Roundtables meeting. Me too. It's been a pleasure. Bye. I thought that the four uh, principles that he listed and discussed were really uh, great reminders on how to approach it's anyone. It makes perfect sense, but having the discipline to do what you should do. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, pre-call planning, <laughs> thinking through all the things that could possibly happen. It, it I could, like I said, it seems easier when you're preparing for a sales call or something like that. But, right. but doing it day in day out, doing it with um, employees, with with subcontractors, that can get more challenging because it's mm-hmm. just you just want to go out there, say what you got to say, get the show on the road, get the show on the road, kind of thing. Yep, challenging. At least for me, I know that's very challenging to to work through. Well, you know, I can see where on a lot of issues, the the get it done, get the show on the road sort of attitude is what you need to have. But I think if something gets tricky or you have to have a discussion about performance or anything like that with a team member, that that you could see how making sure that those conversations are successful could really pay off for the company, for the relationship, for the culture, for the team. Yeah, for sure. But it's still miscommunication is probably the number one culprit in in mistakes and and problems and money loss and all that kind of stuff for sure Mm -hmm. it's just thinking you conveyed what the information you want to convey thinking they've understood it and they heard it correctly and just you turn around and say hey what happened why do we have these mess ups what what why did we lose money on this job or or what have you and you can almost always go back to some point in a breakdown in communication. Mm-hmm. And so it, it does – it's a dollars and cents thing. At the end of the day, if you're not doing it right, it's going to cost you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting. Um, don't want to say who it is, but email communication is so tricky because yep. especially if you start talking about something sensitive. Yes. That um, your intent may be, you know, caring or – you're being funny or something, but the recipient's taking it as another emotional set, like you're angry or you're mm-hmm. being nasty or something. And one person I know of has at least required, they've instituted a policy that at least for internal communications among staff and employees via email, you're required to include emojis. Ah, to, so to make it clear. Right. Using the emoji as a tool to help convey what is being expressed with an emotional attachment huh. kind of thing. So it was just an interesting way of using tools that are available to you right. to try to 
I, I personally always say if it's even remotely close to sensitive, you don't send it an email. Right. <laughs> Pick right. up a phone. That's right. Call somebody or go down to their office or what have you. Right. But, but it was an interesting take at, at using some tool in, in that exists to help that communication yeah, process. that's a great idea. Actually, anyway, interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. So it was great having Jeremy on. I've, I've been trying to get him on for a while now. So it was really nice to hear from him. Yeah, he's fun. Yep. Good stuff. Well, hey, I want to thank Jeremy for taking the time out of his busy day down there in Texas to talk to us. And as always, we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.